Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brent. This is a college sports edition all about the NCAA and the topic du jour, which is name, image, and likeness and whether college athletes can profit off of that name, image, and likeness that they bring with them and have while they're participating in NCAA athletics. It's a big topic. It's gone a lot of ways. I've had a previous podcast with Andy Schwartz, an economist from Cal Berkeley, as well as Gabe Feldman, sports law scholar from Tulane. We've talked about it at length. I've talked about it at length. But it was time to get the guest to talk about it. That's Val Ackerman. She is, of course, extremely uh, impressive background working with the NBA, working with the WNBA, working with USA Basketball, maybe one of the most accomplished women in all of the business of sports, now commissioner of the Big East Conference, which, full disclosure, I am part of in my work for Villanova, Villanova Law, more at sports law program, which I've run for the past six years. I wanted to get Val on to talk about her and her co-author, Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, in their recommendations to the NCAA Board of Governors and the three divisions on what they're going to do about this issue. We're still in the formative stages, but with litigation going still continuing from the O'Bannon case, which I'll talk about in a minute, and of course states jumping on some more aggressively than others, California the first, now we hear about Florida, Illinois, and others. I wanted to have her talk about it, hear from the person responsible at, at the top level for these recommendations. So I wanted to give you a little bit of setup. Again, what we're talking about here is not the university paying. So the Fair Pay to Play Act, as it's named in California, is really a misnomer. There's no pay to play. There's a pay to play lawsuit out there by Jeffrey Kessler, the Alston case, That case, that issue is unresolved. This is not that. This is name, image, likeness, profiting off your name, image, likeness. So it has nothing to do with pay for play. Never in these uh, recommendations, as you'll hear from Val, is the issue of pay for play discussed. It's not even a thought by the NCAA. It's not even a thought by California, by Illinois, by Florida, by these states contemplating something for college athletics. So full disclosure, I am at Villanova. I've known Val for a long time, and I know the deputy commissioner, Vincent Castro, the former AD at Villanova, very well as well. But I think it's important to hear what they're talking about. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there about what athletes currently have. A lot of people don't even know that student-athletes at universities have, NCAA universities have cost of attendance. Not all sports, but the sports you would think of that would require that. And Val talks about different numbers involved with this now in the billions being parceled out for cost of attendance as prescribed by the O'Bannon case that I mentioned, the sort of the start of this uh, movement to have student-athletes treated more equitably. Now, again, the NCA and Val is never going to get to pay for play, at least not anytime soon, but they are talking about some changes. And this is a move. Now, maybe it's brought on by all the thought of exploitation, which I think is an unfair word, and all the thought of what's been going on, but we have a move by the NCA. It's not a move like California. It's not a move like other states. It's not a move that people think is enough, some people, but it is a move. So I wanted to know where it's coming from, how we're going to deal with endorsements, 
with players, uh, players coming in with value, how do they leave with value, the important words here, as uh, also kind of mentioned in the O'Bannon case, are tethered to education. So I asked Val about that. I asked Val about the benefits that she contemplates in 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 uh, lieu of kind of monetary compensation. So they're just not there where the there is other companies paying these athletes, not the university or some kind of third-party trust that I've talked about where money comes in, the athlete only gets it upon separation from the university, graduation, or otherwise. But they don't really, you know, we're not there yet. So I want to be clear, and I wanted to be clear in talking to Val Ackerman all about this. So again, we're going to get to that. This is the podcast, The Business of Sports, with a Business of College Sports episode. We're presented, as always, by betonline.ag, your online sports book. Go to Podcast One Sportsnet to get your 50% sign-up bonus today. Again, promo code PODCAST1, betonline.ag. So again, setting up Commissioner of the Big East, Val Ackerman, discussing all of what went into the report released at the end of October about their recommendations as a task force to the NCA Board of Governors on what to do about name, image, and likeness for student-athletes. Without further ado, the commissioner of the Big East Conference, the co-author of that report to the NCA, Val Ackerman. Really honored to have a friend and colleague on the program, Val Ackerman, the chairman of the Big East Conference. And i uh, let you describe, Val, in terms of your role on this committee, task force, group, whatever, working group, whatever you call it that was advising the NCA's Board of Governors on what to do with name, image, and likeness. Maybe give us some background on the committee and how it came to be before we get to the recommendations that came out of it. Yeah, sure, Andrew. Thanks for inviting me to, to talk to you. Um, of course. So for, uh, by way of background, um, it was, I think, back in May that the NCA Board of Governors, which represents all three divisions, so it has presidents from D1, D2, and D3, it's the NCA's highest governing body, um, uh, commissioned um, a task force, uh, also known as a working group, to right. examine the NCA's current rules relating to uh, name, uh, image, and likeness. Um, the um, the char- charge of the working group was to um, do research, collect feedback from stakeholders, and then come back to the board with recommendations. Um, the inquiry, as I'm sure you know, is in the context of um, continuing litigation and also in the context of um, some legislative action that's right. been going on around the country on this topic. Um, so this was all informing the Board of Governors when it appointed the group. And so um, that, was our, uh, that was our charge over the course of the summer, um, which culminated in an interim report that we delivered um, last week to the BOG. So when you were charged to do this, was it to come up with ways that, uh, like you mentioned, both litigation and states taking action in the interim or in this time frame, I guess the I guess the question is, when you're charged to do this with Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, co-chairing it with you, was your charge to come up with something that the NCAA could live with in terms of moving forward and bringing about some kind of change that athletes could make profit off, or what was there, or was it more blank canvas? 
Well, there was um, the, the answer is no. There were guardrails and parameters that the board set mm-hmm. out. And I'll give you a couple of these. The, uh, I mean, the core assignment was to consider uh, whether to, to make modifications in the NCA's rules in this area, which are generally prohibitive um, of student athletes exploiting their their NIL, as we call it. Right. Um, and that's in line, and, and you would know this, with, for example, the O'Bannon decision, which ruled that scholarship plus cost of attendance is sufficient to right. satisfy the NCA's obligations under antitrust law. And so that, um, that perpetuated that ruling, um, the NCA's practice of awarding scholarships, and now this incremental federally pegged amount uh, additional compensation called cost of attendance, to what's turned out to be nearly 200,000 student athletes around the country, the the total amount payable, uh, by the way, is about 3.5 billion dollars. It's billion with mm. B. Um, so it's uh, the NCA and its schools have made significant um, investments already in student athletes, and that doesn't include the the value of other benefits. But this this inquiry was. Um, was really directed um, to consider changes to the NIL rules in a way that could not be construed as compensation for athletics participation. Um, so to answer your question, yes, very much part of the charge is trying to uh, figure out if we can do that in a way that would work in our model. Um, that would be, um, you know, maintain the demarcation with pro sports, which is uh, also verbiage that's reflected in the case law whether um, we could maintain a collegiate model, which is, again, this scholarship-based model, which is at the heart of college sports, um, and then also to consider whether um, uh, additional benefits here could be tethered to education, which, again, is, um, is language that's supported by uh, some of the case law, including the district court opinion in the Austin case. So um, these were kind of parameters, most significantly, that this would not be opening the door to a pay-for-play model, Right. meaning that the, the benefits would be tied to some ancillary uh, identities that the athletes have and not tied to their athletics participation uh, because that's where the, the slippery slope towards pay-for-play could potentially begin. So those were the uh, the parameters of the assignment. And then, uh, as I noted um, earlier, the, the process involved a number of meetings of the working group. We had several in-person meetings, and, you, and you're right, I was remiss in not uh, giving credit to my co-chair, Gene Smith, from uh, the Ohio State University for his role. We had probably 20 people on the working group representing a mix of um, presidents, commissioners. Bob Bolsby's on that working group from the Big 12, uh, athletics directors, there were several, um, and, and students as well were part of the, the team. So um, that, that was, again, that was the charge. And then, uh, as I said, we delivered an interim report last week um, with, the, with an eye to making a report that will be more in final form next spring. So I'm going to read from the release, Val, the voted unanimously to permit students participating in athletics the opportunity to benefit from the use of name image likeness in a manner that you, you just described, a manner consistent with the collegiate model you know, the release noticeably fails towards use word, use words like money or compensation. Can you elaborate on a way that these athletes would benefit using their NIL that does not involve what we talked about, does not involve pay-for-play, does not involve any kind of compensation from the university? What, now, a lot of people have thoughts about what that would be. I'm just curious what your thoughts are. 
Well, um, I, uh, unfortunately, Andrew, I can't, I can't give you the whole report because we, I don't have that. And that's part of the inquiry now in the coming months is really to think out more deeply the particular activities that, um, you know, that, that could be uh, workable in the collegiate model and then others which may not be. So um, that was by design omitted from the report, as you noted, because we're just not there yet in our inquiry. Um, I guess the only thing I could mention, though, just to give your, you know, you and your listeners maybe a a bit of it is um, there have been examples, um, uh, you know, within the NCAA over a period of years where student athletes have used their names um, to promote businesses that they've started. Right. So in these cases, um, the use of the name isn't tied to their athletics performance per se, but it is tied to um, sort of separate talents that they have, additional work, work product that they've created. And in, this, in these cases, uh, NCAA staff have been routinely granting waivers. Mm-hmm. So um, at first blush, you know, we're, we're, we have an issue, as I said, a final on this, but at first blush, those seem to be examples, um, in answer to your question, of cases where, um, you know, the use of the, the name and the image and the likeness is, um, is you know, is, um, supports uh, academic endeavors, professional endeavors, and that would be very much, uh, we think, probably in line with, um, with the collegiate model. Um, where, you know, what, you know that, that's in contrast to other examples where, um, concerns have been expressed about how they would sync up with a model like ours, which involves recruiting. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, as we continue our work, that's probably one of the bigger hurdles, is how could we come up with some flexibility in this area in a way that, um, that uh, you know, would allow for a minimal amount of disruption and abuse in a recruiting environment. Um, because of the potential influence of boosters or others who might seek to strike, um, you know, relationship with student athletes that um, are maybe closer to pay for play, may not have anything to do with separate work product they create, but could be attached to their athletic identity or their athletic performance in some way. And that's that's really where we're different from the pros, where NIL use is allowed in the context of collective bargaining, for example, in group licenses. Right. Um, where there's no inbound recruiting. Players come into the NBA or the NFL through the draft, so there's no specter there of undue influence. The issues, I think, on the pro side come more in in the case of trying to get more lottery lottery balls. (laughs) So that's where kind of the potential abuses come up. Yeah, but otherwise they have a very different model, and that's, I think, where we really have to spend more time trying to think about whether we have some solutions for that, for that unique set of circumstances that we have. I think be, um, I guess the question is beyond the, 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 the potential abuses of these athlete compensation packages and recruiting, especially for power five schools. Is there an allowance and sort of in between that and the separate businesses you discussed, are you saying that in this working idea you have, you would or would not allow an athlete that's on campus, student athlete, to make money from certainly not the university, but from Joe's car dealership down the road or from Pete's furniture store down the road or from an apparel company. Where's the position on that as we speak? 
We don't have one yet, Andrew. That's what we're trying to work mm. through in the coming months. Okay. And then with the states opening this, it's uh, it's ironic. California calls it a fair pay-to-play act, but they're not even talking about uh, pay-to-play. They're talking about things probably I just mentioned. Obviously, you don't want to see a patchwork of laws from different states. And that's 2023, I believe, California, but other states are talking about earlier. So are you trying to sort of get get in? I know this is a first step before these states take effect, whenever that might be, because obviously that then we're then we're probably talking about litigation It would be my sense. Well, the um, the, the answer to the question is we don't know what the timing will be um, and we just have to work at our own speed. Um, mm-hmm. The NCA is a complex organization. As I mentioned, this is being run through three divisions um, that amount to about 1,100 schools, um, 350 in Division One alone. So, um, you know, the problem is we just can't move. There's only We can only move so fast given the nature of the decision-making process, how things route through the, the boards, how membership feedback is is sought, and so um, that's why we need to take um, some more time here to try to to think out the parameters. Um, I, I can't answer the question of what would happen if, um, as we go through our process, state laws are imposing aggressive effective dates on legislation that they may be considering. I will say that is a that is the notion of a patchwork of of different state laws. Um, I think strengthens the need that the NCA would have for a uniform set of rules. Right. I mean, this is a you know this is a national umbrella organization. It runs national championships in 90 sports. Its members come from every corner of the country. Um, the, the real purpose of the NCA, by the way, the NCA isn't a sort of some entity out there. It is the it is the schools. The schools. It's a it's a committee driven organization. There's a staff in Indianapolis that carries out the directives of the committees, but it's really the schools. So when you talk about the NCAA, you talk about every university. I mean, Villanova is part of the NCAA, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you know, the challenge is how we can, um, you know, drive consensus through this, this large complex organization. And, and again, I think the goal would be at the end of the day to, to make sure that there is a uniform set of rules including right. in the, you know, that apply in the recruiting uh, environment. So however long it takes, it's going to take. And I, I, I mean, I, I just can't, I wouldn't be able to comment right now on what legal implications there might be as, as some of these state laws co- collide with the NCA's process. Yeah, I know I got to let you go in a, few, a couple minutes. A question about the tethering to education, which I know is a big part of this. And maybe you just haven't gotten there yet, like the other question I asked, but would that be some kind of for lack of a better word, trust, where money coming in to athletes would be held, maybe not by the university, but some third party that would be accessed upon separation of the university? Is, is that a working idea? Well, it's, it's a great question, Andrew, because, as you, you know, you, you, I think I mentioned this and you brought it up as well. Tethering to education, there, there is a, that's verbiage in the case law. Right. Um, it's, not, it's not very clearly defined, though. Right. So there are there have been questions over the last few months as we've gotten feedback from stakeholders on what what exactly that means. I mean, some say maybe it means um, that the endeavor, um, 
that's producing the opportunity for the benefits is tethered to academics, for example, or Mm -hmm. it's some professional, it smacks of some professional um, enterprise. And so that would be uh, arguably a connection to tethering to education. Others think that maybe it could mean that the benefits, meaning the um, meaning, the, and it would be compensation paid by third parties. I think to answer an earlier question you had, not by the schools, but by the third parties, whether that should be tied to payment date should be tied to some academic uh, benchmark or some academic accomplishment. The case mm-hmm. law isn't really helpful there, although they do give the NCA the parameters to tether benefits to education. So um, I think, again, that's just um, just another another piece of this that we have to try to think out in the coming months and um, try to come up with some um, some parameters around, again, in a way that uh, would make this make for a workable, um, you know, model within the collegiate system. I know your time's limited. I'm going to let you go. So what's next? Uh, you've, you've released this report or this release to the Board of Governors last week. Uh, where do we go next? Obviously, we're following what happens in Florida and Illinois and some other states that seem to be aggressive on this. From your standpoint, is is there another set of recommendations coming, or where do we go on that? Uh, the, the the answer is, Andrew. There's going to be now some continuing review. Um, uh-huh. These the guidelines that were um, approved by the board last week have been distributed to NCA schools and conferences. There'll be discussion in the coming months. The NCA convention, as you probably know, is in January, so there'll be an opportunity to secure some feedback there. Um, again, this is all a nod to how the NCA works and how schools, um, de- you know, develop consensus among themselves on rules that, that are going to apply to them. And then the Board of Governors, uh, which has the authority here, uh, will be meeting again next April, so there's a plan to uh, deliver a follow-up report there. And then, depending on what they uh, what they approve, it would then go um, it would then go back to the conferences and the schools and work through the actual rules themselves. Um, the the board of governors more likely to approve policies rather than than a lot of the specifics. So that would go back. And so the earliest, to the extent we make changes, the earliest. Um, as of now, that they would go in, into effect wouldn't be until uh, the 2021-22 uh, academic year. Um, so there's there's some runway left here, and um, again, you know, it's just really owing to the to the complexity of the issue and the attempt to find some common ground among schools. It may not be a perfect solution, um, but the hope is that it syncs up with the case law and with the NCA's model, and um, it, it's something that can be um, enforceable and, and, again, work within the NCA system. And I think the last point has to be made. I'll let you echo it. There is something being done. Okay, so it's not going to be status quo. Is that is that safe to say that this is going to enact some kind of change? Yes, yeah, that, 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 I guess, is the punchline. I mean, it was yeah. a historic step forward for the NCAA, in that um, we have set in motion the process to to allow for um, name, image, and likeness opportunities for student athletes. Um, that hasn't been done. Um, it is a nod to the NCA's desire to modernize, um, to do what's right for student athletes, given the you know given the way that our model works. 
again, I can't say this more strongly, the NCA does a lot. I think sometimes some of the media tensions on what the NCA doesn't do right. versus what it does. But the fact is that, um, you know, and I'm one, student athletes, hundreds of thousands have been benefiting for years from scholarships and debt-free educations um, and a whole host of other benefits that, whether it's academic advising or medical care or travel opportunities, um, it, you know, networking uh, with important donors and the like that can help with a career down the road. I mean, there's so much here that's uh, been positive, and the NCA in particular the last few years has um, has moved forward with a number of benefits that have progressively responded to changing needs, and cost of attendance is one of those. So um, I think the good news here is that people are very open to continuing change, but the details, again, are um, are a little bit involved, in some cases a lot involved, and just have to be worked through. Val, I know your time. you got to go. I really appreciate you jumping on and squeezing me in to talk about this new recommendation. Fascinating stuff. We'll keep in touch on this. Sounds good, Andrew. Always great talking to you. I really hope you enjoyed that. I had limited time with Val, of course. That's something where I just wanted to get her on to talk about it, and I was so pleased that she agreed to do it. wanted to get in those questions, get a lot of information fast. Hope you enjoyed it, and always hope you enjoy the Business of Sports podcast trying to take you inside the curtain of what really goes on in the inner workings of sports, whether that's pro, you hear a lot from me on the NFL, but also college, as we just heard from Val Ackerman. Final word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. We're in it now. NFL and college football, NBA has started. Look at what's ahead in the NFL this weekend. Chargers, Raiders, Kansas City, Tennessee, Minnesota, Dallas, Seattle, San Francisco, and of course the big one. And college football, the one all eyes will be on, LSU, Alabama, in addition to Penn State, Minnesota. And then, of course, NBA is happening now. You can get in on all the action at betonline.ag. Don't forget that promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And then I'll do it for the special college sports edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks to all of you. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Leave your comments, your rankings at Apple Podcasts, wherever you do hear your podcasts. We truly appreciate those. Thanks to Sam Brandt for the interstitial musics. Thanks to Brian Neal, my producer extraordinaire. Thanks to Val Ackerman for joining me on this special edition of the Business of Sports. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.